Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, May 17th, 2014. We have a great show lined up for you here tonight. This show is live every Saturday from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central. Tonight on What on Earth is Happening, we're going to be continuing to discuss the intervention theory of human origins. We've been discussing this for the past few weeks, and tonight what I'm going to do, as promised last week, is I'm going to present to the listening audience a slew of researchers, and I'm going to also comment on some of their work and uh, let people know about some of their books and videos, etc., and uh, I'm also going to open up the phone lines and ask listeners if they have any other suggestions on researchers that I may have left out on, uh, you know, uh, this particular topic and who they find very interesting and uh, who they think people should look into as well. So right at the top of the show, let me give the call in number if you want to get into the queue. The number to call to join us here on What on Earth is Happening is 800-313-9443. Once again, 800-313-9443. I do have a couple of quick event announcements before we get started with the uh, topic for this evening. Uh, I was interviewed. Uh, there's three new interviews up on the whatonearthishappening.com website on the news section or in the uh, le- on the left-hand side of the page under the latest news column. Uh, I was interviewed on Ghost in the Machine on May 6th. I was interviewed on Illicit Talk with Alyssa Hawk on May 11th. And I was interviewed alongside Jay Parker uh, on um, Truth Connections Radio with Kathy Buckaloo a couple of uh, days back, um, and that just went up on YouTube, and it is linked on my website as well. So if you want to check out the past uh, few interviews that I've done over the last week or so, uh, check out whatonearthishappening.com and go to the news section. 
uh, on Friday, May 23rd, that's this coming Friday, uh, from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. It's a really, really early interview here on the East Coast. I'll be on Surface Planet Radio. This is uh, um, on a terrestrial radio uh, channel uh, station. Uh, it's on WGDR. I believe that's out of Vermont, and uh, you could check that out at wgdr.org this Friday, May 23rd from 6 to 8 a.m. I will be giving a live one-time only seminar in St. Louis, Missouri on Saturday, May 31st, 2014 at the Arden Mead Center at 17 Selma Avenue in St. Louis, Missouri, and the doors will open at 9 a.m., the morning session will begin at 9.30, the lunch break at 12.30, and the afternoon session from 2 to 5 p.m., uh, followed by a question and answer session. The seminar is entitled Streetwise Spirituality, and the subtitle is What Does It Truly Mean to Be Awake? I'm going to talk about what real conscious awareness means. What does it mean to be quote unquote awake? It's not what the new agers want you to believe that it is. It's so much more than that. Uh, and it is so different than that state of quote unquote, uh, consciousness that the new age movement wants to pass off as being awake. So I'm going to basically outline point by point what real spiritual awareness and enlightenment is actually about contrary to the typical new age conception and it is going to be a very streetwise approach a balanced approach between the sacred feminine and sacred masculine principles and the sacred feminine and sacred masculine aspects of consciousness and that's what we'll be exploring in depth in this seminar Really looking forward to it. Um, pre been preparing my slides. And again, uh, I said this last week, uh, I haven't really uh, been preparing many slides for the radio show. I'm going to get into more intensive uh, research and preparation of, uh, of source material and, and slides and things like that in coming weeks, but I'm really focusing right now on my St. Louis seminar. And uh, last week, I only had a couple of new slides. Today, I don't have any new slides for the show. I'm just going to basically present some other researchers and uh, talk about their work a little bit so that you know people can get a jump on this topic and realize how huge it is and how uh, eclectic of an array of materials and research are out there for people's consideration. So uh, just wrapping up with the Streetwise Spirituality Seminar, the advanced tickets uh, are on sale. They're only a $20 donation. You can call 314-488-4454. To purchase tickets. Once again, that number 314-488-4454. Or you can email Ray Mummy, that's R-A-Y-M-U-M-M-E, Ray Mummy at gmail.com to purchase advanced tickets. At the door, tickets only $5 more at the door for a $25 donation. So that once again, that's Streetwise Spirituality, Saturday, May 31st, 2014 at the Arden Mead Center in St. Louis, Missouri. 
Okay, I believe that is all the event announcements. Oh, no, I have one more. Uh, we'll be continuing the ticket giveaway for the seminar uh, this week. We do have one ticket left to give. A caller came very, very, very close, and uh, I'll talk about the reasons that I feel uh, I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, actually say yes, that is the a actual correct answer. Uh, a caller gave all the correct um, uh, steps of the trivium, and he gave the correct uh, subjects of the quadrivium, but in my estimation, the quadrivium steps were out of order last week, so I'll just give the, uh, the um, uh, question one more time. For the last single ticket uh, to the Streetwise Spirituality Seminar in our ongoing ticket giveaway, these tickets, by the way, were donated by Joe from Kansas City, so thanks so much to Joe for his uh, generous donation of four tickets. We gave away three already. Swami Shivananda Giri was one of the winners as as well as uh, Mark from Ohio and uh, Jason from Illinois uh, last week. So um, uh, hopefully we can give away that last ticket tonight. The question was, name the three steps of the trivium and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. The four steps, uh, three steps of the trivium, and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. That is the question. If you want to call in and attempt to win a uh, free ticket to the St. Louis Streetwise Spirituality Seminar that I'll be hosting on May 31st, uh, once again, the call in number 800 313 9443. So let's get started with the topic for this evening. Um, again, this is ongoing. We'll be talking about this topic probably for months to come, uh, at least a couple of months, because I'll be really doing a lot of uh, uh, digging into some source material and reading into some uh, researchers' work as well throughout uh, this entire breakdown of this topic. It's called the Intervention Theory of Human Origins. At least that's what I call it. And we'll get into this in a deep way on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on Republic Broadcasting. listening to what on earth is happening right here on Republic Broadcasting. Okay, so the topic for tonight, as we've been discussing for the past uh, few weeks, is the intervention theory of human origins. And uh, tonight, what I'm going to be doing is just trying to impress upon people just how vast of a uh, field of subject matter this really is by talking about uh, much of the research that uh, goes along with this area of inquiry. And of course, you know, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the polarizing dialectics when it comes to human origins and how the vast majority of the human species falls on one side of this equation or the other, on one side of this divide on the other, I should say this uh, very polarizing divide, and it's very deliberately constructed to be polarizing so that it keeps people in 
uh, one form of brain imbalance or another, uh, whether they subscribe to the Darwinian quote-unquote evolution paradigm. Uh, it's not evolution at all. It's um, essentially struggle for survival paradigm. That's really what it should be called, the Darwinian struggle for survival paradigm. Uh, or the Darwinian dog-eat-dog -dog paradigm, maybe, would be a good name for it, but it's certainly not actual evolution, not real evolution, certainly not in any way that resembles truth. And uh, I do not subscribe to this paradigm, as I don't subscribe to the creationist paradigm, the creationist dogma, which is, uh, you know, the exact polar antithesis. Uh, and these two dogmatic religions. Both of them are religions. People can call Darwinism a science all they want. It's a religion. Uh, get as offended about that as you like. Um, but, um, you know, one, the left brain approach, this Darwinistic religion purports that matter is supreme, spirit is non-existent or completely insignificant. There's no underlying intelligence, true intelligence in nature. You know, nature is just a clockwork machine. You know, then people extend this to things like how the body works, ex extends it to how society works or should work. You know, you can see how dangerous the entire proposition is to accept wholesale into your worldview. That's what it's designed to do. And uh, of course, it paints that picture that, you know, uh, people should be totally selfish because, hey, we're all in this as a struggle for survival. You know, natural selection chooses psychopaths to rule, don't you know? Because they're willing to do whatever it takes to survive at the expense of anybody else. You know, so why should you uh, decry psychopathy? It should be celebrated, right? You know, it's an evolutionary advantage, don't you know? It's what Darwinism essentially puts the idea in people's heads that it does, that, that how it should be, you know? Uh, and then you have creationism on the other side. You know, spirit is totally supreme. Matter, you know, is insignificant. That doesn't make a difference. It should be looked down upon and seen as something that's dirty. You know, God's completely separate from everything, separate from his creation. You know, it's two distinct things, the creator and the creation. And God controls all the events within the creation. So what do both of these paradigms support? The idea that change is hopeless. You know, Darwinism basically says we're at the mercy of our genes, and creationism says we're at the mercy of God's whim, God's will, you know. Forget, leave consciousness at the door. Don't worry about human consciousness to, to actually create change, to learn and grow and understand patterns, and then actually change something here, you know. No, that, that's, that either shouldn't be the way that it is, or it's impossible, you know, that's what these two competing uh, worldviews, these polarizing worldviews basically create in people's minds. And, uh, you know, the one thing that they both do very well and completely share in common is complete dismissal of free will, leaving consciousness at the door, total dismissal of free will. And as I said last week, also the externalization of all power. You know, once again, either the genes have the power or God has the power, but forget human consciousness. There's no power in that. There's no hope for creating change in that. You know, we're just, it's, they're both victim mentalities. And yet you go and try to explain that to most people. One, they don't understand that these are both victim mentalities at all, at all. They're totally tied to their respective religions, no matter what side of this, uh, polarizing dialectic people come down within 
okay? And they're completely unwilling to even budge from that position or look at it at an alternative at all because these are both religions. They're absolutely religions, okay? So, um, you know, we, we went into this and how this creates this schism in the brain, in fact, the actual brain physiology. Or you could even say maybe the schism in brain physiology leads people to accepting one of these paradigms or, or another. If they're super left-brained already, maybe they start to buy into Darwinism. And if they're very right-brained in balance and of a religious persuasion, then they buy into creationist paradigm. So it's very interesting how those dynamics work. And uh, we asked the question last week, is there an alternative to these two prevailing yet uh, you know, totally entrenched paradigms. And like I said, if you just ask the average human beings on the street, just do a social experiment, ask your friends and family members, where did human beings come from? Almost invariably, you're either going to get the Darwinian evolutionary model or you're going to get God made us this way. You know, that's it. And, you know, I think if it's a sad commentary, let's put it that way, either of those things. If people believe that nature just made humanity this way, I think that's an extraordinarily sad commentary because I don't believe nature or God made humanity the way we are now, okay? I think something else did that, okay? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, pe yet people are completely attached and they're, they're stuck in one of those dialectics or another, and that's what it's designed for, to get people polarized, fighting with each other, and distracted from the, the truth. We're looking into any alternative that can really explain what has gone on here on earth in the past and is going on here in the present uh, in a way that uh, presents it that topic with clarity and makes sense. Um, but if you just do a social experiment, you'll see almost 100% of human beings fall into one of those categories. You will be hard-pressed to find someone, a random average individual, who will tell you that they do not subscribe to one of those paradigms or the other. And I challenge you to do it. I just, I challenge the listening audience, do this as a social experiment. You know, go and ask people, what do you think the origins of humanity is? And I guarantee you it will either be Darwinian quote-unquote evolution or creationism in some form or fashion. Guaranteed. I guarantee it. Okay? Just from talking to people myself and seeing where their, their head is at, where their mindset is at, I 100% guarantee that that is exactly what you will find if you do that experiment. You will find some people who will put a, an alternative hypothesis out there, but I guarantee you they'll be few and far between. And you'll certainly not want to. You'll certainly not encounter that many people who want to seriously consider and discuss the possibilities, like we're going to be discussing about the possible intervention and interference that happened with our natural evolutionary progression by non-human entities here on Earth in the very, very ancient past. So. What I'm going to do here tonight is, again, the purpose here is to try to impress upon people the depth of this re of this field of research and how eclectic it is. You, you don't just make up your mind about this, okay? You don't just say, it's not about a belief, ladies and gentlemen. That's the first thing I want to say, all right? What I'm going to try to present here is evidence, not belief. That's what science is supposed to be done using, evidence, actual evidence, 
Not just saying, this is what I think. I believe this. That's called religion. Okay? Is there evidence to support this? And have people uncovered this evidence? And have they sifted through it? You know, and have they filtered it? And have they explored it deeply? That's what we need to talk about. back everyone you're listening to what on earth is happening i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com we're talking about the interference theory of human origins and i'm going to be suggesting some researchers and material for people to look into on this vast topic however i just want to briefly go over what this theory entails uh we covered this last week this will be a very brief review Uh, We asked the question, is there an alternative to these two imbalanced yet prevailing paradigms of Darwinian quote-unquote evolution and religious creationism? And before we, you know, postulated that perhaps it is a extraterrestrial or simply non-human, some intelligence of non-human origin interfering with the natural development of our species at some point in the ancient past, possibly even continuing in the present day, um, we looked at how there is a natural evolutionary process that is taking place in nature and directed by creation. So you could look at this as a theory within a theory, okay, as combining aspects of how science, scientism, I should say, looks at evolution, except, again, leaving Darwinism uh, at the door, so to speak, uh, not looking at it from that perspective of it's just about a struggle for biological survival and nothing else. It may... That may happen up to a point uh, with uh, lower evolved organisms, but then uh, uh, that work in the biological or genetic domain eventually proceeds to the epigenetic domain, the domain of consciousness. And th- See, this is where um, an entire field of endeavor, an entire uh, area of inquiry and subject matter unto itself, an entire study unto itself, is never going to be talked about. Scientism doesn't want to talk about epigenetics, not much anyway, okay? You know, they're, they're still in this Newtonian paradigm, in this Darwinian paradigm, where it's all a clockwork mechanism. Medicine still applies this to the body. Politics still applies this to social engineering. It's all a clockwork mechanism. It's all about matter, you know? And, you know... We want to run the body like a machine. We want want to run society like a machine, you know, because after all, hey, people are, there's no consciousness. It's just biological material interacting with itself. And it's just like a machine. The whole universe is a purposeless machine. You know, that's what most left brain scientism puts forward out there. And, you know, then you have the opposite extreme with religious creationism saying, oh, it's all God. God's doing everything. There's nothing else at work or anything of significance that is outside of God, you know. But nobody puts 
tries to come up with any balance here. Nobody puts a, a theory forward to say, maybe it's a blending, maybe it's a balance between some aspects of both of these paradigms. Maybe there is a natural, evolu real evolutionary progression, not just about survival of biological material. Okay, It works in the biological domain, then it proceeds to the epigenetic or domain of consciousness, the epigenetic domain. And it's automated in the first steps. Creation is willfully directing it and driving it and guiding it. You could call that process God. I don't really care if you, if you are comfortable with that term. I mean, you know, some people aren't, whatever. But in the early stages of this process, and uh, for, you know, vast stretches of time, it's automated by creation until the point where it enters the domain of consciousness then free will becomes involved. See, you could look at it like God is controlling things up to a point. He's controlling the development of lower forms. That he's, it's, it's controlling, this force is controlling the development in the uh, purely uh, material domain up to a point. Then when a certain level of complexity becomes involved, then you have consciousness coming in and then the creative force there then starts to back off and it allows free will because it doesn't control everything it allows free will choice of behavior once there is capacity for holistic intelligence now notice i did not say once there is true holistic intelligence involved i said once there is the capacity for holistic intelligence creation backs off the direct running of this process in the biological domain and it allows the epigenetic functions to then develop in other words, consciousness and free will, and it backs off its control at that point. Now, personally, I feel that is a much more balanced approach, and not only have I felt that that is how it works, this is actually is what is taught how evolution really works in many of the ancient traditions. Rosicrucianism teaches that it happens this way. R true Kabbalah, okay, true Freemasonry, esoteric Freemasonry. It's a blending of these dynamic forces. The biological and epigenetic natural evolutionary progression and then that eventually proceeds into the epigenetic domain where then a species that has developed the capacity for holistic intelligence takes over its own evolutionary development based on its free will decision-making processes. Okay? So... What this does is it explains that, yes, nature is directing the process of evolution, but at some point, a species becomes, with the capacity for holistic intelligence, becomes responsible for its own progression or regression. And there's that key word, ladies and gentlemen, that key word, responsible. After a point, the amount of aggregate consciousness that a species has developed through its own usage of its free will, okay, is then taking over the, the, the future progression, stagnation, or regression of that species. That's what's responsible for it. Whether we have progressed our own consciousness or not, through our free will, 
Do we want to pay attention? Do we want to learn? Do we want to grow? Do we want to evolve? Do we want to stop making the mistakes that we've made in the past? Do we want to become aware of patterns? Do we want to learn from history? Well, all of the answers to those questions seem to be no in the modern day. No, we don't want any of those things. We want to remain ignorant herd animals in a cage, not evolving, stagnating, and possibly even regressing, which is a spit in the face to the creator of the universe and, and to, to natural evolutionary progression of consciousness. Just spitting in its face. And that seems to be what we've become, what humanity has become. And I'm not telling you it has to be that way. I'm saying it's the case right now, what we've become, but we can change it any time we want. Right in the present moment, that could be changed. It's a choice. It's not anything that's being done to us. And this is what all the people stuck in these two schism paradigms. Let, let's call them the paradigms of schism. See, I, I just love that word. Love that word. It says so much. And it's, it's a perfect word. It's a perfect sounding word for what it really means. You know? A schism, it sounds like it's a tense thing. It sounds like it's an oppositional thing. Just in the word itself. The way the word is structured. Because that's exactly what this whole dichotomy between Darwinism and creationism is all about. It's a schism. There to hold people in thrall and hold them in the notion of powerlessness. There's nothing we can do. This is, this is being done to us. Yeah, it's being done to us. Yeah, we have no say in the matter. We have no choice about the actions that we take, do we? It's all controlled by genes or the environment or by God. I mean, give me a break. You know what that's called? That's called little children who don't want to take personal responsibility for their own behavior. And that's all that's called. Nothing else. So, this... The, the point that we were leading to last week is could the natural evolutionary process that is already at work in a species be interfered with? Let's just say, let's just take for example, even if it's only happening in the biological or genetic domain and it hasn't even fully progressed into the epigenetic domain, could another species come along and affect the progression, the natural evolutionary progression of another species? Well, of course. Just look at humanity. We're extincting species by the day. We're involved and in get, getting involved in other species' natural evolutionary progression every single day. And in many cases, making them disappear from the cosmos. So we're involved in that. What makes us think that couldn't have been done to us? Or that it isn't still happening. We'll pick this up on the other side of this break. Stay with us, everyone.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. So uh, what I'm going to do from this point forward is start putting out some general research topics, and I'm going to also put out some general researchers uh, who have talked about these topics for many years, who have a lot of books, a lot of material, a lot of videos out on the topic of interference theory, as I like to call it. People have called it intervention theory. They have called it uh, the the theory of um, uh, human origins from non-human intelligence. They have called it ancient astronaut theory. It's been called many different names. I prefer interference theory or the interference hypothesis personally um, because I don't look at it as just a a type of intervention which could take on a possible uh, positive connotation. Interference in general tends to paint the connotation that you're getting in the way, that you're deliberately um, trying to prevent somebody from going where they want to go or accomplishing what they want to accomplish, which is why I like uh, the the word interference, which has a more negative connotation, because I believe this is uh, certainly a sinister and negative uh, thing that has gone on, and it's a negative ongoing process. And again, I don't say that to instill any fear in anybody. You know, none of the negative things I ever talk about are to instill fear. It's just to make people aware and help people to deal with what is so that they can become empowered to change it. So um, what I'll do is I'll present some general material that I talked about in my Cosmic Abandonment lecture. And I just want to say before I even start this that, you know, the, the people stuck in one of these paradigms or another... The, it's all, uh, you know, Darwin theory, Darwin, you know, evolution, Darwin-based evolution, or it's all God doing it. Um, Their attachment is largely based in fear. Their refusal to look at the evidence, again, you know, most people will say, I don't believe, I don't feel. This isn't about an emotion. It isn't about a belief. I was saying this a couple of segments back. Okay. This is about, have you actually yourself done the research? Have you actually yourself read some of the source material? Have you actually yourself read an eclectic variety of research material? Have you done that work with the time in your life? And you know what the answer is? Most people cannot say, yes, I have. They don't have one book on the topic. They may have watched a couple YouTube videos on it and say, oh, I think this is all bunk. And there's a reason for that. And I'm going to tell you what the reason is. I said it a couple of weeks ago and maybe even last week. The reason is these people don't want to even accept that this could be a possibility because of the dire and disturbing implications that the possibility presents. Therefore, their approach to this is, it cannot be this way. 
because I'm not comfortable with it possibly being this way. And I'm not telling you I'm 100% right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not telling you it, it is absolutely the way, I'm go- the, the way the case I'm going to lay out, you know, puts forward. There, you have to be open-minded, and that open-mindedness also means you have to be willing to accept it could have went down a different way than how you're laying out your theory. I'm not saying I know the absolute truth about the past. What I'm saying is there is absolutely evidence that could be looked into. And if we approach it with an open mind, not with a preformed notion of saying it can't be that way because that's too disturbing. Or it can't be that way because my religion says otherwise. Or it can't be that way because the uh, scientists, uh, the, the priests in the white lab coats that call themselves scientists told me it can't be that way. You know, that's not how any truth is discovered. Truth is discovered by actually looking at what's there, by looking at the evidence. And I'm telling you right now, and all the people I encounter that come down on this one way or the other, in one of those paradigms or the other... One thing is always shared in common. None of them have actually read or deeply studied the material I'm going to talk about. Zero. Never. Ever. Ever. But they have a strong opinion and a strong belief. You know? But you ask them, well, have you actually researched this? Well, what books do you have? What authors have you read? Can we compare video libraries? Can we compare physical books book li- books in our library? I don't have anything on it. You don't have anything on it. That means you haven't done one damn bit of looking. And you think you're in a position to even offer an informed opinion? See, this is where humanity is at, folks. We think that we're experts when we've done no digging, no research. And I'm telling you, there is a lifetime, there is, I couldn't research this if I lived a thousand years in its fullness. If, if a, a human lifespan was a thousand years, you might start to crack the surface on this topic, okay? And I'm telling you, the amount of research I've done is considerable, but it barely scratches the surface, And when you ask people what they've looked into, you know what comes back? A big goose egg and a glassy-eyed look on the face. And yet they still want to tell you they know something. And that's how human beings are. Attached to their belief systems, attached to their religion. I'm not attached to anything. I research and go where the evidence leads. That's it. And I say to myself, well, regardless of how many people are saying this, does it actually make sense? You know, you can get people to buy into a notion that's wrong. Let's not forget that. It has to make sense logically and intuitively, both in both ways, in the left brain way and the right brain way. It has to make sense. You have to ask yourself, does it explain the model of the world as we can accurately see it today? And in many cases, both the religious paradigms of Darwinism and creationism do not explain the, the model of the world as it stands today. Certainly not how a human being is today, does it explain? Because I'm telling you, if you believe nature made something like this, you know, called humanity, or if you believe God did this, you have a very, very, very low view of both nature and or God. 
And I'll be the first to tell you that and I get as offended as you want by that statement. So the first area that I want to briefly talk about is source texts. Ancient source texts from which these stories ultimately derive. And then we're going to talk about researchers who have compiled tons of information, looked at different archaeological and anthropological evidence, okay, gone into the histories of many of these people, and painstakingly uncovered details, bits and pieces that form a puzzle, that form pieces of a puzzle. And then what it is, is everyone's job to do is bring those pieces of the individual pieces of that puzzle to the table. Lay it out and say, can we form a picture here so that we can now accurately start to understand what happened in our ancient past. And once again, people don't think this is important. They'll insist it's not important to look into that. Let's just start from where we are now. And don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you not to be active. That's the most important thing to do. We do need to look at the situation as it is now and deal with it. But if you think origins of a species is insignificant and unimportant, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that is about as naive of an approach as you can possibly have. Because if you don't know where you, you came from, you sure as hell don't know where you're going. So let's, let's just start laying out and just listing some of these source texts first. All right? And we'll look into them and read from a lot of these in, in the, on future shows. Okay, Of course, you have the Bible, biblical texts mostly things like the book of Genesis, the book of Ezekiel, okay, the book of Exodus, apocryphal, so-called apocryphal books of the Bible, like the book of Enoch, which is biblical era, biblical period, but it's not considered official canon, biblical text, the Septuagint also. We'll pick up this list on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. Folks, my code of silence on the interference theory of human origins has ended. And I'm going to be ending it in an even much louder way in coming weeks. But let's go back to um, looking at just some, uh, just a general list of some source texts that we could explore that deal in many ways with these topics. Now, of course, as I was saying, the Bible is one of these texts. And people know my take on religion in general, uh, and it's that it's mind control, essentially. Um, that is not to say that a lot cannot be gleaned from studying a lot of the texts of religion. 
not buying into a belief system that surrounds those texts, but understanding how many of these ancient texts were written. And it, is it true that many of them are written allegorically and symbolically? Absolutely. And this is part of the problem with literalist interpretation of many religious traditions. They don't understand that there's a lot of allegory and symbolism in ancient uh, scriptural texts. But is it all allegory and symbolism? And I would highly suggest that no, it is not. There is some historical significance and there are actual events that are being described in a lot of these texts as well. The, the, the trick, the key, if you will, to being able to read a lot of these texts properly is knowing when you're talking about something that's allegorical or symbolic and knowing when it is a historical uh, documentation that the author is laying out. And people don't want to acknowledge, they want to come down on one side of that equation or the other. It's that same dialectic. It's all the literal word of God or it's all completely symbolic and allegorical. And there's no in-between. You know, see, again, it's a dialectic that's always at work. You'll see this pattern repeat in my work endlessly. Trying to explain to people often, both sides are Try, they're trying to push you into both sides, into one extreme or another, because that's where you can be controlled from. That's where no discernment takes place. When you're in that level of thinking it's all this way or another when it comes to anything other than natural law. Natural law is the, are the laws of morality and there is nothing that is unchangeable except those laws. That's it. The laws of nature are absolutely set in stone, and if you don't understand how they work, you suffer. The end. That's the part that you can't change, that you have to understand. It is extreme. It is all one way, and align your perception in that direction. Okay, But when it comes to understanding how ancient peoples mixed different um, concepts in the ancient scriptural writings of different religious traditions, it isn't all one way. There, it is shades of gray, and you have it has to be read like you know a Rosetta Stone of sorts. You have to pick it apart, break it down in its constituent elements. Consider: Is this allegorical, or is this somebody saying something that actually did take place, and is talking about historical figures? And in many cases, there's a mixing and matching of that going out, going on throughout even the same books. Because you think, you know, necessarily these books were all written by one person? They could have been mixed and matched along the way. And a scribe wrote them down. You know, or assembled them. They're the work of man. As such, they're open to interpretation. And as such, they're not going to be perfect or complete. So that's what has to be understood when it comes to studying any of these texts. They can't be taken as the literal word of God in every aspect, nor can they be taken as none of this could possibly be historically true, and it's all just symbolic. Both of these are totally naive ways of looking at these topics. Completely childish ways of looking at these topics. So let, let's just, for 
for lack of time, because I want to get to the phones, okay? And I want to see if we can give away this last ticket too. And I want to get your suggestions. I want to get to the researchers. So let me just give a brief list that I outlined some of these things in my Cosmic Abandonment Lecture. All right, we have the Bible itself. Some of the books of the Bible that deal with this, Genesis, Exodus, um, Ezekiel, uh, the Book of Enoch, the Septuagint, um, uh, the Apocryphal, some of the apocryphal texts. Again, these things were left out deliberately by, uh, you know, things like um, uh, the the uh, Council of Nicaea. You know, when uh, the uh, official religion of the Roman Empire was being formed and the canon was being built for the for the biblical texts, because hey. These high le- this high level priest class doesn't want people really knowing their origins because then how are the how is the priest class going to control their mind, you know? So we can't have people really understanding about where they came from. We have to leave some of that out. We certainly have to leave things out like the Nag Hammadi texts and things like that. That's why they were even taken so far away from some of the places where they were written and hidden because you know the many of the people who uh, studied those texts and lived their lives by them realized that if the 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 early church gets a hold of any of these things, that's it. You know they're going to be burned, or the people who even even preserve them are going to be burned because they don't want people understanding any of their real internal power. You know their real inherent power forget that. You have to hide that from people, you know, and you have to only give them the exoteric knowledge. You can't give them any information about, again, their real power or where they really came from, because then, God forbid, they'll start using that thinking that, you know, uh, that the priest class control isn't valid or legitimate. We can't have that, you know. So, uh, the Bible is certainly one of these source texts, of course, people know a lot or have heard a lot about the Sumerian texts, the clay tablets, the cuneiform tablets and seals. Um, we'll get into that material also. Other epics of creation, similar to Genesis, but in much more detail, like the Babylonian text, the Enuma Elish, or the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, you have um, ancient Indus Valley texts, like the Vedas and the Mahabharata that talks about battles between many of these beings, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Ramayana. All right, you have um, other uh, texts from uh, the empires that were uh, coexistent with, with Babylon and Sumer. You have things like the Assyrian and Akkadian texts and their creation epics. Um. Then you have some African histories, like the, the histories of the Zulu tribe and the Dogon, Dogon tribe. Of course, you have um, European myths. You have the Druidic histories. You have the Norse histories, the, the Norse epic poetry, like the Eddas. And then, of course, you even have uh, New World texts, you know, South American and, and uh, Latin American uh, histories. Um, you have things like the Mayan Popol Vuh. And of course we could get into, uh, I'm not as studied in it as some of the other source materials, but you have the Native American traditions, stories about sky beings as well. So there are a slew of histories from all over the world. You know, there's far Eastern texts and histories that go into that. 
Some of them a little bit more uh, buried than others. But, um, and again, uh, you know, because of the very draconian types of government that exist in Far Eastern countries, you know, a lot of that material hasn't even surfaced. So much of this material is even still to this day not in public hands and is sitting again, like I said, in in research facilities or anthropological and archaeological facilities in basements, un, uncategorized, uncatalogued because they're anomalous and they don't fit into the existing paradigm protection structure of those so-called sciences. We'll pick this up on the other side of this break and then we'll be going to your phone call soon. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Back everyone, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host Mark Passio. My website, WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com. Talking about the research that is involved in looking into the interference theory of human origins, and what I want to do, I've talked about some source texts, briefly listing a few. We'll be getting into some of them on future shows. I want to talk about some researchers that I think are, it is valuable to look into their work. I don't agree with all of their conclusions. Very few individuals, I agree with all of their conclusions, you know, in any individual. Um, However, that doesn't mean you shouldn't look into these people's work because there's a lot of truth to be discovered in it and it brings a lot of the missing pieces of the puzzle to the table so you can understand the bigger picture. Again, it's not about just going where you're comfortable going or just, you know, continuing to research things that you already, you know, think are true or believe. It's about looking at all the perspectives and assembling the larger picture and putting it together. So here's uh, a general list. And what I, what I think I'll do to complement this list is with the podcast, maybe... Um, I may not do this tonight because it may take a little while, but over the next day or two, along with the podcast, I think I will assemble a bunch of links. Maybe this will be a big podcast in the uh, resource, uh, not the resource section of the website, but underneath the podcast when I list resources that are associated with the podcast. Maybe I'll do a really big one and put you know links to all of these researchers' material. Maybe I could do something like link to Amazon or Barnes and Noble so you can get their books, link to YouTube so you can watch their videos. Maybe I'll I'll make like a little resource page just on this topic within the the podcast section, okay? Not a whole page, but like, you know, a large paragraph with a bunch of links, something like that. Um this way that could just stay there as a uh little resource or reference guide that people can click links and immediately go you know, see what, what research materials are available by some of these authors and, and researchers. 
I think it's a good idea. I think I'll work on it over the next day or two. Okay. So, um, let's look at, uh, some of the researchers, an individual who I think has been doing this for a very long time and is still putting out a lot of great work is Eric Von Doniken. Now, Von Doniken has been doing this probably since the 1960s, certainly since the 60s, maybe earlier than that. But um, he's most known, of course, for Chariots of the Gods, the book, and then, of course, the associated video that came out based upon the book. And he has a whole lot of other uh, material out there. Um, he, at one of his uh, good books that's out there, he has a, a book called History is Wrong. And that's a, that's a good one that lays out the whole uh, alternative hypothesis of uh, intervention or what I call interference theory. Um, you know, he did the whole, um, the whole series of books on the quote, quote unquote gods. You know, of course you had chariots of the gods. He did, uh, gold of the gods, return of the gods, miracles of the gods, etc. So there's a whole series of books out there on, uh, the quote unquote gods by Von Doniken. Uh, of course, I think good starting material for him is Chariots of the Gods and that video. I'm sure at least some people have at least seen Chariots of the Gods. If you haven't, you're missing a great documentary. And another thing people, a lot of times people will complain about some of these researchers. Oh, they've all been debunked. You hear that constantly. These people are asking questions, you know, there, how many questions are posed? By them, they're not absolutely making absolute blanket statements and saying it definitely was this way, and there's no room for interpretation. They're, they're asking questions: Could this have been the case? Does this make sense? What they're trying to do is break this into the public forum for debate, looking at it with an objective, open mind, which most people are unwilling to do because they have a religion. And that's what I think Von Doniken does well. He asks questions, okay? He leads you with a question and then he provides some evidence, okay? And he's saying, does this make sense? When you weigh it up against this and you see the evidence, does it make sense that it may have gone down this way? And that, that's what I think he does brilliantly. So I find him to be personally a fair balanced researcher that has really done his homework and has looked into a lot of these source materials and has looked into the archaeological and anthropological evidence and I find his material invaluable personally. I don't really care who doesn't like any of these people either. You know, you're not, you think it's any sweat off of my back if you're going to tell me, I think that person is, their material is absolutely wrong and you're, you know, you're somehow discrediting yourself for saying that you like their material. I could care less what you think about who I, whose material I like or don't like. Could absolutely care less. Okay. All I care about is what's true. All I care about is what's actually going on. I care about truth and morality and freedom. Okay, so if this can help to explain why we're in the situation that we're in, I'm taking it in with an open mind. I'm not going to be set in stone. It has to be this way. I'm going to look at what is there objectively and try to come to a logical, reasonable, balanced conclusion about it, regardless of how dark that may be. 
So another researcher that gets a whole lot of flack constantly and has been debunked from here to the moon is Zechariah Sitchin. Of course, constantly. You know, you continuously hear people bashing this guy when how many people have done a one-hundredth of the amount of research that this gentleman has put out during his life? None of them. Real quick to debunk, okay? Real quick to say, oh, it's all nonsense and you shouldn't look into any of it. And the, the same people have done absolutely nothing in the way of looking into any of this material. It just can't be because they're uncomfortable with it. Of course, Sitchin is best known for his book, The Twelfth Planet, and the entire Earth Chronicles series. But he's an eclectic researcher, and you have to understand how much material is in these books. See, you can't watch a snippet of a documentary, a snippet of a YouTube video, and this is what so many people do. This is what so many people do. I'm telling you, the people who are completely ignorant of this entire hypothesis, this is what they do. I'm attached to an idea. It couldn't have happened this way because this says otherwise, or I believe otherwise because of this. And therefore, I ask people, hey, have you actually read that book? No. Are you planning on ever reading it? No. Well, then what makes you think you're qualified to possibly even comment on any of this person's work? You haven't actually looked at it. It's, it's like people who won't watch my New Age BS seminar because they're New Agers. Well, is there any validity what he's saying? No. Why? Because I don't like the title. You don't like the title. Did you hear a word I said in the presentation? No, because I won't watch that. I'm offended by the title. And you think you're qualified on speaking on any of my work. You're, you think that that gives you some kind of an informed opinion when you won't even look at it. See, I have looked at all the alternatives. I've read into all the religions, science, okay, the New Age movement, you name it. I take it all in, regardless of whether I agree with it or not. We'll pick up with some of these researchers on the other side. Stay with us, everyone. We don't need no education. We don't need no no dark sarcasm in the classroom Teacher, leave them kids alone Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We're going to be continuing with a list of general researchers in the field of interference theory or intervention theory uh, regarding human origins. I was talking about Zechariah Sitchin and how most people dismiss his research, you know, because they don't like the implications. Um, They haven't really ever looked into it, you know. Um, And that's just where most people's head is at, you know. Uh, 
Most people have absolutely no idea how truth is discovered whatsoever. They go on their whims, on their preferences, on their likes and dislikes, and uh, actual digging and looking into the truth and deep introspective study, you know, doesn't play a role in their in their worldview whatsoever. It's a sad but true commentary on this species called humanity, you know. But um, another gentleman that I have the utmost of respect for, who uh, unfortunately uh, we lost uh, this past year in 2013, was Lloyd Pye. Um, Sitchin also passed away in 2012, I believe. And, uh, um, you know, these two gentlemen's work will definitely live on, even though they're no longer here on earth. But, uh, Lloyd Pye is just absolutely brilliant. Uh, his videos are astounding and world changing as far as I'm concerned. You have to really check out everything you know is wrong. Um, an evening with Lloyd Pye. Hominids. You could check those out on YouTube or download them online. Uh, he's done amazing work with the Star Child Skull, uh, showing how there is uh, non-human characteristics of that skull. And it is not just birth defects or just random anomalies. Uh, he has a uh, one of his recent books was Alien Origins. Um definitely has carried on and advanced a lot of the work of, of Sitchin and others. And, uh, you know, found himself with an aggressive form of brain cancer. This seems to be what happens to people who dig into this material and get, you know, extraordinarily close to the truth uh, in a way that is quote-unquote scientifically um, presentable or uh, demonstrable. Another individual I highly recommend is Michael Tellinger. His book, Slave Species of the Gods, is required reading. And I would tell you, if you haven't already read Slave Species of the Gods, you're missing a big piece of the human puzzle. That's all I have to say. That's how important that book is. All right? Uh, but his other work is just also brilliant. You could uh, type his name into YouTube and watch hours of his lectures. Uh, just great work. I, I hope to maybe interview him on the show sometime. Would uh, would be a great show, I think. Another researcher who's been debunked from here, not to the moon, but from here to Pluto, is David Icke. And once again, I've talked about uh, this gentleman on the show many times. I don't agree with every one of his conclusions, and I don't have to, and nor would he have to agree with all of my conclusions for me to respect his work. Um, I feel that he's one of the people who really woke me up to a lot of truths about this world. And um, again, I've commented on his courage many times in the past. I think if people were as courageous as this person, the world would already be free. Unfortunately, most people are cowards. They're ignorant cowards too, because they won't even look at his research material and how well documented it also is. You know, you could research from one David Icke book an entire lifetime whole lifetime. And you know what most people know about him? He's the reptilian guy. Yeah, well, who, who gives a damn that he has a theory regarding reptilian shapeshifters? Have you actually read his books? Have you gone back into his old books, his first books, and progressed forward through them? I've read, I've read like 13 out of David Icke's 18 books, okay? 
I'm telling you there's some of the most prolific works out there and you could research just in the end notes of a chapter for a whole lifetime. And yet most people have heard a snippet of something he said on the, in a YouTube video or in an interview and they go, oh, it's a bunch of nonsense. I mean, this is how retarded people are. You know, they don't, they don't look in depth in anything. You say one thing I don't agree with and the retards rear their head and go, everything he says is junk. Everything, it's all nonsense. I mean, this is an absolute child's way of looking at the world and researching anything. When if you actually, see, you know what it's all about, folks? I'm just going to tell you right out here in the open. It's the bottom line is the pe- these people are lazy. They don't want to take the time to sit and read a 600-page book that is thick with information and reads like a textbook, not some some fiction novel, okay? Because Ike's work is dense with material. It's dense with knowledge. You have to read it like a textbook, and then you have to research into a lot of the connecting material and the source material that he cites. His research is not a joke. And yet people would dismiss it as such because they've never actually picked up one of the books and delved into it. Highly, highly, highly recommend And the Truth Shall Set You Free, The Biggest Secret, Children of the Matrix. Uh, let me just go back to, to Sitchin for a moment. Um, you know, uh, uh, let, me, let me give you some of his books because uh, it, it's important to just make a general list, put, put a list out there. Um, of some of these people's books. The Earth Chronicles series by Zechariah Sitchin in, in, includes The Twelfth Planet, The Stairway to Heaven, The Wars of Gods and Men, The Lost Realms, When Time Began, The Cosmic Code, and The End of Days. Those are the seven books of the Earth Chronicles series by Sitchin, and he has other supplemental material that goes along with the Earth Chronicle series and complements it. Uh, those books are Divine Encounters, Genesis Revisited, Journeys to the Mythical Past, The Lost Book of Enki, and There Were Giants Upon the Earth. Um, and he has other documentaries, has been included in many documentaries. Uh, it's an, an abundance of material. Um, Tellinger, his main book is Slave Species of the Gods. He has another book about um, getting rid of the whole monetary system called Ubuntu. And uh, I also recommend people check that out. Um, Let me uh, read some of David Icke's um, bibliography. Uh, Let's see. David Icke has um, uh, I Am Me, I Am Free, uh, And the Truth Shall Set You Free. Children of the Matrix, The Biggest Secret, The Robot's Rebellion, Tales from the Time Loop, um, Infinite Love is the Only Truth, Everything Else is Illusion, Alice in Wonderland and the World Trade Center Disaster, uh, the, global gui- the Guide to the Global Conspiracy, and Human Race, Get Off Your Knees, The Lion Sleeps No More. He has a new one out called The Perception Deception. I don't have that one yet. I plan on getting it, um, but... Um, you know, just uh, absolutely uh, profound amount of work that he's put into researching uh, these volumes. Some of these are six, seven hundred page books. Okay, six hundred, seven hundred pages. And I'm telling you, you could in one of the books you could do a lifetime of 
peripheral research. And like I said, most people haven't read one of his books, let alone all of them. I haven't read them all. I'm working on that. I'm, you know, most of the way through. I have a couple, some of his most recent ones I haven't gotten to yet. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Ike has, of course, brought Credo Mutwa on the global scene and exposed uh, his vast uh, knowledge regarding the Zulu uh, nation, the Zulu tribes of uh, Africa and their their histories. So I highly recommend checking out Credo Mutwa's work. Um, he was interviewed by David Ike in the video, The Reptilian Agenda, and I think he also has uh, a book of his own out. I can't recall the title off the top of my head. I don't actually own that book, but... Um, uh, I'll try to link to it. Michael Tessarion. Unbelievable amount of material. Okay? Just to, to even use the word prolific is not enough. Monumental amount of work that he's done, particularly with the Origins and Oracles series. And again, you could research for a lifetime, you know, branching off from any one of the topics that he covers in the Origins and Oracles uh, box sets of 22 DVDs, all of which are, you know, around two hours long. We'll pick this list up on the other side of the break. Stay with us. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side, yeah Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen Some of these researchers will help you to break on through to the other side They'll help you to really gain a more clear understanding about where we're really at I'm not telling you it'll be a pretty picture but the truth often is not pretty. So let's continue with this list of researchers and then we'll go to your calls. I was talking about Michael Tessarion and his work. Anybody who has not seen Origins and Oracles, the 22-disc DVD set that Michael Tessarion put out years ago, uh, you are depriving yourself of some of the best research that has been probably ever put, been put out there into the world. Has been ever de-occulted and, uh, you know, absolutely blasted out onto the earth, okay, for everybody to see and hear and understand. It's just brilliant work, and uh, I don't think he could be commended enough for it. He also has a, a great DVD called Architects of Control, and many, many uh, uh, in-depth research series uh uh, presentation series on uh, YouTube and his own website. So, um, also, Graham Hancock is another great and prolific researcher in this field. Uh, he doesn't so much go into the uh, intervention or interference theory and uh, comes down on the equation that a lot of the ancient monuments that he talks about uh, were just human constructions, etc. But I think um, it's still very powerful to look at some of his work, and I think uh, a lot can be gleaned from it. Of course, he wrote Fingerprints of the Gods, Lost Knowledge of the Ancients, 
Uh, let me see what else. Um, oh, uh, Quest for the Lost Civilization. That was a uh, DVD three-part series that he put out, which I highly, highly recommend. Uh, the Message of the Sphinx, Supernatural. Uh, and there's some others I, ca I can't recall. Again, I'll try to link up to a bunch of these on, uh, uh, on the podcast. Michael Cremo, again, not necessarily talking about the intervention or uh, interference theory, but when you talk about forbidden archaeology, this is one of the main sources that you need to go to. How the so-called scientific establishment, who I call the paradigm protectors, anything that doesn't fit in with their um, you know, linear Darwinistic uh, theory of how we came to be or how the earth is the way that it is now is thrown out the door. You know, it's not allowed into the body of evidence. And his book, Forbidden Archaeology, documents this in extensive, excruciating, painstaking detail with tons and tons and tons of accounts. I think it's a 1,200-page book, something like that. All right, absolutely have to check out Michael Cremo's work. L.A. Marzulli. Now, uh, while I don't necessarily agree with his conclusions about, you know, uh, some of the religious take on his work, I think his work is absolutely vital and is very worthy for people to look into. He has a phenomenal um, documentary series called The Watchers. Some of the best... Um, visuals I've seen in documentaries in this series and some of the most thought-provoking material regarding the possibility of extraterrestrial uh, interference with our species. I believe he takes the take that they are fallen angels as opposed to biological entities or hyperdimensional entities of some kind or extraterrestrial entities. Um, however, uh, I think his research is still very, very, very important, and uh, he has a couple of books, uh, On the Trail of the Nephilim is one of them, uh, The Revealing is another, uh, but I highly recommend the Watchers series for sure, and he works with a gentleman by the name of um, uh, Brian Forrester, who also has really great research when it comes to uh, particularly the uh, uh, anomalous elongated skulls that have been found that are not a product of cradle boarding, which we will get into in depth uh, on future shows and show some of that evidence and uh, talk about why they're not cradle boarded and why that information is uh, totally hidden from the the people and even the scientific community and often just completely thrown in back rooms or basements of museums and never to be seen again because they don't want to explain uh, these skulls. And people will just dismiss them very eas easily and readily, you know, just... Uh, again, there, it's, it's so easy to convince people that you shouldn't pay attention to something. So simple, you know? You don't need to know about that. Don't look over there. Here, have some of this. Here's a ball game. You know, it's just, it's a joke. Like I said, most people are just a complete asinine joke. And that's why they're, they're living on a farm and they have no intention of getting off and they're not going to get off of the farm. The farm's going to keep rolling right along because they're just pure ignoramuses. 
and don't want to look at anything that conflicts with their little so-called life of comfort when it's really no such thing. It's, you know, again, ignorance isn't bliss, folks. People think ignorant people are all so blissful. Ignorance isn't bliss, ladies and gentlemen. Ignorance is death, absolute murderous death, which is what's happening on this planet. You know, and people have the illusion of remaining in blissful ignorance. You know, it's nothing of the sort. They're being run through a meat grinder and they don't even know it. It doesn't make a difference whether uh, on the surface they appear comfortable and, you know, well-fed, etc. It's, uh, you, you, you could even be totally comfortable on the outside physically and be dead inside, you know, or dying, spiritual death, okay? So they're in spiritual impoverishment and often don't even know it. So ignorance is 100% total suffering. Um, but L.A. Marzulli and Brian Forrester, people got to check into their work. It's just phenomenal. David Hatcher Childress, he's done a lot of work in the uh, technology of some of these beings. Uh, definitely falls into the category of uh, ancient alien hypothesis uh, researchers. Trey Smith, uh, kind of, um, I might uh, liken him to L.A. Marzulli a bit. He's done a lot of great work. He's got a video series out called The Nephilim, The Truth, and uh, has a sort of a religious or biblical uh, t- you know, take on things, which again, I, I don't just fault people for that and say, hey, I'm just going to not look at your research because... Uh, you believe in in exoteric Christianity and have come of, come to some of the conclusions that you you know basically align with biblical scripture and the interpretation of uh, the Christian interpretation of biblical scripture. So hey, I got to throw out everything you talk about, right? Because I don't agree with some of your conclusions. No, no, I'm going to look into L. A. Marzulli's work. It's valid. I'm going to look into Trey Smith's work. It's valid. You know, I'm going to look into researchers. Uh, work like Rob Skiba. I don't know if it's Skiba or Skiba, you know, you know, he takes a somewhat of a biblical approach too. There's another great researcher. He he, uh, put out this series, Archon Invasion. You could check that out on YouTube. Um, see the whole point here is people hear something they don't agree with and, oh, that person's work is invalid or, or, Hey, they were affiliated with a particular group and therefore I, all their work's invalid. They throw out everything I say because I was a Satanist in my past. You know? Hey, this person attended, you know, uh, seminars or taught seminars at the Esalen Institute. Throw out everything they say. You know? This person may have been working with some kind of an intelligence agency at one point in their life. Nothing they could say could ever possibly be true. I mean, this is a retarded child's worldview. That's what it is. Okay? I'm sorry, but that is what it is, folks. You know, if you think the truthfulness of information is just based on what a person may have ever done in their life, it's the highest form of ignorance and and, and fallacious thinking. Absolute fallacy. Absolute logical fallacy in the thinking process. And people can't see it. They can't see it because they're totally attached to it. Totally attached to it. 
And it goes on. It goes on. And on and on it goes. And so does the prison, folks. And it's the very mentality that's keeping the prison going. But enjoy it. You you seem to love your chains. And you want to infight. And you don't want to look at the big picture. And you don't want to take what is actually the truth and then leave the rest. Okay? You know, a friend of mine came over uh, for the documentary night. My friend John. We were sitting in my living room. We were watching a Rob Skiba or Skiba. I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly. We were watching a video by him. And he says... Mark, uh, you know, you just t- basically told me that you don't really agree with a lot of this guy's conclusions or worldview regarding his, cr- you know, biblical perspective. Why are you continuing to watch this? I said, because there's a lot of great information that I can learn from this guy in this video. That's why. And he just said, that's why I respect you. You could take it in and you could hold it and consider it without having to fully accept it. That's the mark of holistic intelligence. We'll be right back, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. We're into the third hour of the broadcast for tonight. I'm going to wrap up uh, in this segment with the researchers that I am going to recommend to people. And then I want to hear if you have any researchers in this topic that you want to recommend to the listening audience or to myself. The call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. We also have one more ticket to give away for the St. Louis presentation. The question to answer is... Name the three steps of the trivium and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. So uh, some other researchers um, uh, talk about another guy who gets a lot of flack. It seems like, you know, you just put a, paint yourself with a bullseye as a target if you get into this field. So I'm, you know, willfully stepping into that domain and so be it, you know, let's put the target right on me. Uh, hey, like they say, if you're over the target, you're getting the flack. Okay, so you know you're being you're going to be shot at if you're actually getting to something that it's at, at the, lies at the heart of the matter, and that's why so many of these researchers come under such brutal attack by people. Not because not what they're saying is is invalid or has no worth to it, because the paradigm protector's job is to ruthlessly beat up on anybody who's trying to overturn the paradigm that is protecting slavery on this planet. And that's what these white lab coat priest class do. Okay, that's their job. You know, keep the slavery system going, boys. You're doing such a great job of it. You know, your children are involved in it too. They're not exempt from the slavery, you know. But you don't give a you don't give a damn about them, do you? No. You care about that Lexus in the garage. That's what you care about. You know? Couldn't give a damn about your children. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing that job. Otherwise, you would be, you would actually care about truth instead of what it takes to keep your tenure or your position of power. Okay? Because you don't care that your children grow up enslaved. No. That doesn't mean a damn thing to you. So, 
to wrap up this category, a few people are really under, you know, hard condemnation. Uh, Emmanuel Velikovsky, okay, ruthlessly, barbarically criticized for just having theories about the ancient origins of our solar system. Again, this connects in with the interference hypothesis and cataclysms must be taken into account when we talk about this. Uh, I have a take, you know, that this is int intimately connected with the interference or origin theory, okay? But uh, we'll get to that in future shows, but uh, Velikovsky's book, Worlds in Collision, is a classic. Uh, Giorgio Tsoukalos, he takes a lot of flack for his Ancient Aliens series, and I, you know, I think that his early work with Ancient Aliens was very on point. I think some of the later material gets a little bit more of a stretch because they were pressed to come up with new material to continue the series and it's some repetition and then some far-reaching but in general I really like his work uh, Robert Schock again somebody who indirectly touches on this topic through looking at uh, ancient civilizations and monuments and uh, he's basically a, a geologist that, you know, goes into like weathering patterns on monuments to talk about their antiquity, their age, um, and talk about the nonlinear, uh, you know, progression of, uh, you know, human civilization. Great work. Of course, connected with cataclysms, you have to look into the scientists D.S. Allen and J.B. Dallaire, Allen and Dallaire. Their book, Cataclysm, uh, absolutely critical work. Um, regarding the possibility of, uh, you know, cataclysms having to do with what has happened with humanity and its mindset, etc. Um, uh, in regards to that, there's another scientist, I'm trying to think of his name off the top of my head because I didn't write it down. It's um, Paul LaViolette, Dr. Paul LaViolette. He also gets into cataclysm theory as well uh, regarding Seifert galaxy explosions. Uh, another researcher that you definitely want to check out when it comes to uh, cataclysm theory. Um, so they're the basic researchers I, I wanted to know. I might, I might have a couple more. Let's see. Uh, William Bramley. I can't not mention him. Um, he wrote Gods of Eden, of course. Great book on this topic. Uh, I personally really dis dislike the word he uses to describe these beings. He called them throughout his book Custodians. I don't think they're the, they were the custodians of anything. You know, I, I like to look at these beings as farmers, okay? I hold them kind of in the same regard that I hold farmers when it comes to the treatment of animals. And that's essentially what this planet is. It's a huge farm, and humanity is the animals on the farm. You know, that's what George Orwell was trying to tell people with the book Animal Farm, you know? It's what he was trying to tell people in so many words through an allegorical story. It's so much more monstrous than we understand. And again, I don't say any of that to frighten people or to paint a picture of hopelessness. You have to understand where you're at to know where you're going. And if you want to empower yourself to get out of that situation, you have to accurately understand where you're at. Um, so William Bramley, great work. Um, Richard Mooney, he wrote a book called Gods of Air and Darkness, which I think is very... Um, very uh, interesting and good information to look into. I've talked about uh, briefly Rob Skiba or Skiba. He has a series called Archon Invasion out on YouTube. Um, some other 
individuals who might be a little bit lesser known. Uh, I have some uh, single books, individual books that they wrote. I don't know. They may have more material. Some of their books are out of print. W. Raymond Drake, uh, he wrote a book called Gods and Spacemen in the Ancient East. Um, Robert Charou, uh, C-H-A-R-R-O-U-X, um, I believe he also wrote a lot of material in French, but he does have some uh, um, work tra um, translated into English. Uh, Forgotten Worlds is one of his books. Um, you have, um, let's see. Uh, Alan Landsberg and his wife Sally Landsberg, uh, In Search of Ancient Mysteries, uh, another older book, uh, possibly out of print now. Um, Will Hart, which I think is a pen name, uh, more likely than not it is, could be his real name, I don't really know, wrote a good book called The Genesis Race, which I'm reading now, uh, subtitled Our Extraterrestrial DNA and the True Origins of the Species which I recommend people to check out based on only uh, uh, basically being through it, not even uh, halfway. But um, there are some researchers that get people started. And let me tell you something, right there is more than a lifetime of work. <laughs> with what I just, with just the brief amount of names I dropped right there in this one show, you wouldn't be able to do all that research in a human lifetime, probably. Okay? Even if you get started right now. Because I'm telling you where all of that branches off and leads to is so unbelievably huge of an endeavor. And the amount of material that is involved. What, what we need to do is, as the saying goes, as I've said many times, many hands make for light work. We need to bring this all to the table and start putting it in the public discussion. It doesn't make a difference what people think of you. You got to say, hey, instead of knocking this, have you ever looked into this? Have you ever researched? Look, how many people are involved in researching this? And, you know, that isn't just a logical fallacy to say a whole lot of people have looked into this. Yeah, a whole lot of people could be wrong too. But I'm telling you, if you really look into this body of knowledge, there is something to it. It makes so much more sense than a lot of the drivel that we have been fed, keeping us in the dark and feeding us BS. That's what the paradigm protectors have been doing for hundreds of years, keeping us in dialectics. So there's a brief list of names to get people started. And we'll look into individual works by these people in coming shows. We're going to go to your phones in the next segment. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Let's go to the phones in this segment. I've laid out the researchers that I wanted to bring to people's attention. I'm sure many people will have 
researchers that they want to talk about that I may not even be aware of and, um, you know, that they think people need to uh, look into. So also, let's see if we can give away this last ticket to the uh, Streetwise Spirituality Seminar. Let's hear from Patty in Illinois. Patty, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Would you like a chance to win the free ticket to the St. Louis Seminar? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, go right ahead. The, the question was, name the three steps of the trivium and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. Um, trivium, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. That is correct. And the quadrivium, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. That is correct. You've won the final, the fourth and final ticket that uh, Joe from Kansas City so generously donated uh, for giveaway on the radio show. So congratulations. Patty from Thanks. Illinois. Um, uh, yeah, stay on I'll... the line after the, the call, and my producer will take your information, and then you'll hear from uh, Ray Mummy shortly after, probably sometime tomorrow or the next uh, day after that, and uh, he'll uh, you know ensure that uh, you need uh, have all the information that you need uh, to uh, claim your ticket, okay? So um, right. what else do you have for us tonight? You know, um, why don't you let another caller go ahead because I'm just soaking in this information and I'm already um, amazed by the vast amount of research I have yet to do. So Great. Well, Patty, congratulations, and my producer will take your information. So thanks so much, and congratulations. Great. Thanks. Have a good night. Okay, so uh, let's see. Who else do we have on the line? Um, let's hear from... Uh, let's hear from Ivan from Phoenix. I usually take him like at the end of the show. Let's hear from Ivan now. Ivan in Phoenix, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Mark. And you? I'm doing well. Hanging in there, you know, trying to break through the different levels of ignorance and cognitive dissonance. It's taxing sometimes, but, uh, uh, you know, the great work, uh, seemingly never ends. So, uh, you have to be up for the challenge. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> um, I'm holding a uh, screening tomorrow all day at my home for a select few people of your Natural Law Seminar. Awesome. I reduced it down to only about three people really dedicated to wanting to learn this. So let's see if they actually show up. <laughs> so I, I barely got the third res- res- RSVP about an hour ago, so we'll see. Um, let me see. Um, you mentioned Credo Mutua, that he had a book. Uh, I looked up on Amazon real quick and yes. found a title called Ndaba, My, My Children. Children. That's it. Yep. I couldn't think of it, but there it is. It came came back to me as soon as you said the first word I, re- I remembered. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I, I haven't read that one. I don't actually own that one, so I can't speak to it, but uh, I'd be very interested in checking it out. Mm-hmm. And then um, I don't know if you mentioned him today, um, Jay Widener or Widener. Ah, yes, absolutely. He's done a lot of great work uh, on talking about the archons. Jay Widener, yeah. absolutely. I'll, right. I'll put him on the list. Thank, thanks for reminding me about him. Yes. Right, and then this was more on a um, what is it? Uh, fiction or or sort of thing. You mentioned it with movies before. Battlefield Earth. L. Ron Hubbard. Sure. Book on that. 
that's unnecessary research, but it kind of extends, opens people's minds to a possibility. Yes. We, we, oh, I should, I should definitely sometime next week talk about some allegories as well, maybe leading into some of the uh, deeper, uh, you know, source material, uh, because the allegories really uh, kind of um, paint this picture in a creative sense. I, uh, speaking of allegories, this is great that you brought this up. Uh, I was watching the... Um, uh, video called Archon Invasion, uh, The Rise, Fall, and Return of the Nephilim by Rob Skiba, or Skiba. Again, I'm not sure how his name is pronounced. Um, and um, he recommended a film that had allegorical content regarding genetic manipulation of humanity. It was called Splice. And again, I find it very, very interesting that things like this fly under the radar and i had never heard of this nobody i know had ever heard of this movie have you ever heard of this movie splice yeah i saw that that was maybe five five or eight years ago yeah yeah but think about how unpopular that movie was i mean it came and went it was one of those two or three weekends at the theaters and gone and i'm telling you this was a warner brothers high quality production with high quality graphics and you know animation you know 3d animation and it was apparently in and out of theaters hardly any reviews written on it and goodbye to that because they you know and whenever a video a a movie is like that you know there's something in there they do not want getting out to the public they don't want the public considering it in a big way right 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 and that's funny um that you mentioned a movie like that because i just finished watching the 1997 film island of dr moreau oh yeah that's a great one Right there also. And that goes to show that's humans in this day and age messing around with DNA and splicing with other animals. What's not to say that thousands of years ago that wasn't done by a more that's advanced right. civilization to us. And then it's it's scattered around through quote-unquote history and right. what's called Greek mythology with the, with the uh, Manitou or whatever, those horsemen, men with horse bodies. And it's like, well, that's a nice sure. story, but hey, you never know. Sure. I would suggest that is an allegory of what happened in the ancient past, and we are all living on the island of Dr. Moreau. That's exactly what... the Dr. Moreau is the Enki character in the Sumerian creation epics. That's it right there. Wow. Hey, real quick also, um, you were mentioning about people um, trying to get this work out and everything and how a lot of this information is already out there. Sure. I jotted down a quick note here that the information is coming out because the ones who are putting it out know that folks are too far behind to know what to do with that information. Basically, they lack the trivium. So the the grammar is there, yep. but they don't have the logic for processing it. Yes, and then that the is correct the, because the, they have so many logical fallacies in their mind that they cannot sequentially process that information to arrive at an accurate understanding of it. That is absolutely correct, Ivan. You pinpointed right. it on and the head. So they don't even care. The grammar could be all out there, and people are just, well, dismiss that, dismiss that. This conflicts with my belief system, so throw it out. We're not going to even bother to take that in and process it. You know, nothing. Right. That's exactly the how other, their mind control works. Mm-hmm. And another quick note I wrote down here, you were talking about lazy, and I wrote down there, lazy to sit. This was my personal experience with the last time I tried to show your natural law seminar. Lazy to sit and watch nine hours of natural law, but will work 12 hours for money. You got it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And then, well, hey, that's the God of this world, you know? And like yeah, I say, yeah, if, if, if a piece of paper is a species God, they belong in a cage. You know, as harsh as that may sound, can, can I tell people who their, their, their God is a piece of paper that they really, truly, truly deserve freedom? I, I can't even really make that statement myself. I think the people who don't accept that as their God deserve freedom and unfortunately these mental midgets okay out there who do accept a piece of paper as their god all right uh, are holding us all back because the 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 evolution of a species is what is happening it's not just an individual person evolving like these new agers believe you're in the same scenario and mess that all these other ignoramuses are in Ivan, stay with us, and I'll let you finish up on the other side of this break. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We were talking on the line with Ivan from Phoenix. Ivan, are you still with us? Here. Okay, continue. Okay, yeah, just, just finishing up on that uh, little lazy thing we were talking about. Um, a while back, I tried to share just a short, your short little 15-minute video you did sometime last year or the year before at the... Um, uh, either the Tesla Science Foundation or, or something like that. Yes. I tried to share that short little 15-minute video with a female co-worker at work, and within two or three minutes, she was already impatient and like just like, come on, come on, out with it kind of thing. I'm like, wow. you know. So it's not only a laziness, it's an impatience. They want to, like, like you said at the Natural Law Seminar, that you should be able to come out and say, don't steal, and that's it. That's, yeah. I guess, the answer she was waiting for. Mm-hmm. That they don't want to go through all their information, all their research. Just tell me what the answer is. Quick, quick. I don't have time. Immediate gratification society. You got it. Exactly. Yep. And then um, you mentioned uh, something about farming, that the planet, it, it's not custodians, but that you would prefer farming. And I thought of this um, as this film coming out in July called Jupiter Ascending. And that has a little quote in there. Um, there's these uh, royalty, alien beings, whatever, that they're coming down here to Earth and they know about us and all this kind of stuff. But there's a line that's in there that says, your Earth is a very small part of a very large industry. Yep. <laughs> that's kind of in this interesting. Yep. That movie puts that out there and you're talking about the Earth as a farm. And it's like, Amazing. hello. You know? What's this movie yeah. called that's coming out? Jupiter Ascending. And it's made by the... the siblings now they used to be brothers now it's brother and sister siblings that made the matrix trilogy oh, i'm sure it'll be a good one then if it's put out by them yeah. yep wow uh, one last quick thing um 
Godzilla came out this weekend, and I watched that, and that was very good. And that's a little line that the scientist says something about Godzilla is nature's balance, is yes. nature's way of balancing things. And that was kind of interesting. Sure. Like, hmm. That was and, the premise of the first Godzilla movie. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And then uh, real quickly, with my last little note here, was something about um, change can come from something small with a massive effect and vice versa, something massive like a global occurrence, can have a, a very small effect. And what I mean by that is kind of like in the movie Flash Gordon, you had Ming from like across the galaxy causing these global uh, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, this massive stuff on the planet. Right. And I'm thinking those huge events, all that that huge event, all that needs to do is just trigger that little fear mechanism in our in you our in the subconscious and that little little drop in the pond right there and that right there just throws everything else off a of whack now, trauma that's, works that's in a humanity. very funny way and humanity has been traumatized by many different events in our past not the least of which are the way that we were actually created that was a trauma in and of itself and then cataclysms that followed uh in our uh ancient antiquity as a species uh just absolutely did a number on this race and that it's it uh all adds up to why we're in the current state of mind that we are in you know when when conditions like that happen it has an effect on psychology invariably and it's and it's still perpetuated what's the first thing that happens at birth the doctor spanks you in the yep. butt so you get that fear that pain and yep. what Right there. Oh, and, and then oftentimes you're mutilated. At least men, men are. You know, boys male, are. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. Yep. Ivan, always, always a pleasure. Always great insights. Uh, whenever you call in, so thank you so much, my friend. Keep at it. Keep up the great work. You're doing great work as well, my friend. So keep it up. Uh, so, so, sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And since you said that, let me plug my website real sure. quick. Sure. Absolutely. FreeYourMindAZ.com. So that's freeyourmindaz, as in Arizona.com. And I know I'm not, as I said this before, as linguistically skilled as you are, and I tried. I did those four podcasts and put them out there. But I got to give it to you, Mark. You do this week after week after week, and the work it takes to do the research and put this together and put it out there and keep going. It's like, my goodness, I was struggling just to do those four it is it is taxing sometimes I, I won't lie and just tell people oh it's the easiest thing in the world because it isn't it's it's taxing i'm i i feel drained a lot of the time i feel tired but i'm going to keep pressing forward and keep doing what i can and don't sell yourself short you're an eloquent speaker yourself and you did a great job on that and on your site and everybody should check out ivan's site freeyourmindaz.com uh and that's an example you know we have a, a bunch of people doing something like that putting out videos and articles and you know podcasts uh, you know it, it will make a difference in the aggregate sense you know that's what we need get involved do the great work and you're an example for people ivan so thank you well thank you mark you're you were my spark plug so i appreciate that you have a good night all right, my friend. take care, take care. You too. all right all right, great to hear from Ivan in Phoenix. Let's, um, oh, uh, just briefly, too, uh, before we take the next caller, I just wanted to um, 
give my uh, uh, take on why I did not give the ticket to the gentleman who called in last week and got the steps of the trivium correct, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Of course, I could have also accepted knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. I would have even accepted the computer analogy, input, processing, and output. Those are kind of the three ways that the trivium has been described. One is uh, a modern interpretation, the grammar, logic, rhetoric. One is an ancient interpretation, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And one is a computer allegorical interpretation, input, processing, output. Uh, Where I did not give it to the caller from last week was because um, he uh, reversed two of the steps or the subjects of the quadrivium, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. And his ordering was arithmetic, music, geometry, and astronomy. And therefore, I did not give him the the, the ticket. Uh, And uh, while... Um, he made a point that he felt uh, and agreed with some of the ancient philosophers' take that music was so primary and important to you know the soul and the makeup of the human being and the psyche that they actually placed it right after the the very first or primary subject, which which was arithmetic. Um, I didn't accept that as as the answer because I personally don't agree with that interpretation, even though it is true what he was saying, that many ancient schools of thought did have those reversed. I mean, some ancient schools of thought reversed the steps of the trivium, which I think is a very dangerous thing to do personally, but um, they did, in in certain schools, uh, teach the quadrivium in a different ordering, which I I personally don't find to be um, uh, valid or uh, something that is going to do um, justice to the entire subject matter of the quadrivium. And I'll, I'll explain my take on this very briefly. You have arithmetic, which is pure quantization, quantity, measurement, okay? Then you're going to have to study form. Music always follows form, okay? It is a movement of form. So geometry, the study of form has to come first before a, f- a flow of form in the form of of music and then astronomy is like the the music of of the heavens the music of the the galaxies and the creator of the universe etc okay so that's the, the the sequential progression and the reason for it and the reason I did not accept the answer with music second and geometry third so I felt it was only fair to briefly explain why I did not accept that answer for the gentleman who called in last week although he made a good case for why he uh, felt that that was a valid um, uh, uh, sequence. I, uh, but, um, you know, I, I gave it to Patty who gave the uh, um, uh, correct ordering of arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. So congratulations to Patty again for winning the winning of that fourth and final ticket. Um, let's go back to the phones. Let's see. Who else do we have on the line? Let's hear from Russ in Minnesota. Russ in Minnesota, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, Russ, are you there? I don't think he's responding. Okay, Russ has uh, dropped from the line, so uh, let's move on to John in Washington. John, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. What do you have for us this evening? Hello? Yes. Hi. How are you doing? Hi, Mark. I'm doing great. I just want to say that I love you. (laughs) I appreciate that. <laughs> I do. I, I love who you are, and 
and the work that you're doing, um, you've made such an impact on my life. And, and I have to say, also, in uh, my girlfriend's life, Patty, who won the ticket earlier awesome. tonight, she's my girlfriend. Great. So we're, we're a great fan of, of what you're doing and your work. And hey, John, uh, hold on through this break. I'll, I'll let you continue on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. Last segment coming right at you. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening, final segment for the night. We're on the line with John from Washington. John, are you still with us? I am. Okay. Are you? Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, you can continue. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to uh, uh, give off a couple names of alternative historians that, uh, um, you know, that we were talking about, or you were talking about earlier tonight. Sure, go right uh, ahead. Different authors. Um, uh, a couple that that have had an impact on me. Uh, they're older, uh, lesser known authors. Um, Connor McDarry. Okay. Um, the Bible is an English book. That's the uh, title of one of his uh, one of his works. Can you spell his uh, last name? McDarry. M A C D D A R I. Okay. Um, Michael Desarin talks about some of his work in his uh, uh, Irish origins. Yes. So, uh, Commons Beaumont. Oh, yeah. Um, so he, he's uh, written some really good stuff. Um, and then I was thinking also um, um, Ignatius Donnelly. Yes. Uh, Atlantis. Yes. Atlantis book. Um, yeah, gr- great suggestions there. I'm familiar now, with I'm, Ignatius Donnelly. I, I, I'm, I've heard of some of Thomas Beaumont's work. I, I haven't really read much of it, but I'm not very familiar with Connor McDarry. I do know that Michael Tessarion references him, though. But, uh, yeah, great, all great suggestions. I'll, I'll, I'll try to include them in the list. Great. Um, I, my question tonight, I, I, I literally have a page full of questions for you, but uh, I can only, of course, pick one. Um, but uh, well, give me your most pressing question then. The one you <laughs> my most pressing question right sure. now is the great work. Yes. And how would you compare the great work to Christianity's the Great Commission? In some ways, I mean, is it a is it a ministry? Is I think what you're asking. Uh, is that fa- is that a fair yeah, comparison? Yeah, like, like evangelizing people with the truth. It is. I mean, that is what we're talking about. The difference is, it's, it's not a religion. It's what's actually right. occurring. So right. you know, you you could ignore reality, but there are consequences that lead to suffering for ignoring reality. More than that, 
When you ignore reality, you're actually doing harm to other people because if you ignore reality and you don't understand the difference between right and wrong, you don't know what rights are, and therefore when somebody else's rights are being shut down, okay, you're going to sit back and do nothing, let evil run amok, and other people are going to be harmed as a result. So whenever people ask me, don't people have a right to just remain ignorant? No, they don't. When somebody is remaining willfully ignorant of rights, especially regarding what is happening to people around them in their midst, do you just possess a right to just sit back and say, I don't care that that's happening? I don't think that right exists, personally. Because harm is being caused. Theft is being conducted. If people are being robbed of their property in the form of their rights and other people are just sitting back watching it happen, they're complicit in that evil act. Right. So the answer is absolutely. This is it is in a way like bringing a ministry, but it's not a religion. That's it's it's, right. it's that's the the qualitative difference in in proselytizing a religion to somebody versus telling them the truth. There's a huge difference between those two things, but I understand your comparison. It is a valid comparison, and I would say it does hold true. You know, the the difference is getting people to believe in a religion isn't isn't necessarily in alignment with truth. There can be aspects of it that are in alignment with truth, but getting people to understand that which is in the form of the natural laws that are operating around us and through our behavioral choices are bringing us the experiences that we undergo, okay? You either understand that and you don't suffer or you don't understand it and you suffer as a species. That's how that works. So everybody needs to be on that common ground. Then we could have beliefs that branch out from there, you know, as long as, you know, we're not actively doing harm to other people. If it's in harmony with natural law, believe, you know, believe whatever you want if it's a harmless belief. The problem is we have harmful beliefs as a society yeah. now that need to be dispelled by speaking the truth to other people. That's what the great work is. Again, it's a subtractive process. It's a breaking down. It's acidic. It is a destructive process of removing the the illusion, of breaking down the untruth. And this is why people are so resistant to it. They're attached to those belief systems. I hope that answers your question, or at least partially. Yeah, um, and the reason why I ask is because my my background is, um, well, I I became a born-again Christian in like the age of uh, 20 and got into really super hardcore, <laughs> super hardcore, uh, Christianity, exoteric Christianity, right. and, uh, talk about, I was in deep, super deep, and, uh, um, but, uh, and evangelizing people, bashing people over the head with the truth, you know, in, in, in an exoteric Christianity, uh, viewpoint, um, and then coming out of that, right. um, when I started hearing uh, a lot of the material that you're talking about with the great work is like, you know, I started getting triggers. Sure. You know, it's like, uh, you know, okay. So, um, it sounds like I, you know, some of the things I've heard from being a Christian, you know, of, you know, bringing truth to people, uh, whether it offends them or not, <laughs> right. you know? Right. And, um, so I, I, I am perfectly okay with it. You know, I, I just wanted to, make sure I was understanding you 
uh, clearly. Yeah, here's where it differs, okay? They're not talking about real, actual, in nature, objective morality. That's where the, the true great work is different than any religion. Because if you find me a religion that's talking about the points of ownership and property and the actual objective difference between right and wrong and laying that out, that distinction out like I have in my natural law seminar and by people who have truly understood and discovered for themselves the non-aggression principle, I'd like, I'd like to know where those religionists are because I've never met them in my life. I've never encountered them ever. Yeah. The religionists that I know do not understand natural law deeply in any kind of a deep way. They can yeah. touch on it. They can they can hit on some of its points, but could they really lay it out and describe it accurately? And do they have? Do I feel they have a, any of them have a deep understanding of it? No, absolutely not. I I, I right. wish I could say that they they did. I would I would I have no problem with anybody's religious belief system as long as the foundation is natural law. The foundation is absolute moral understanding. Whatever your belief that follows that. It's fine by me. I don't care whether you're a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Jew, a Christian. It's all all just you know meaningless distinctions as far as I'm concerned. If you understand the non-aggression, sacred feminine non-aggression principle combined with the sacred masculine principle of self-defense, in other words, do no harm but take no crap from other people, okay, then... Right. Whatever your belief systems are after that, you know, I'm I'm probably going to be fine with as long as we start with that common ground, which is why it's called conscience, common sense. And unfortunately, many just like many scientism believers don't have real common sense, many religionists don't have real common sense. And again, I, that I realize I get that offends almost everybody in the world. So be it. The truth is belligerent and offensive to most people because most people are not resonating in the truth at all whatsoever, unfortunately. So I hope that that clarifies my position on what I call the great work. I hope that's answered your question. And in any event, that's all the time we have for this edition of What on Earth is Happening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, there's only two mistakes one can ever make on the path to truth. Not starting and not going all the way. We'll see you right here next week.